Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. All right, welcome back in. We're taking you up until 1 o'clock. Brian Barrett and... Ken Laird, we're going to be joined by John Jastrzemski from The Ringer in New York in just a couple of minutes from now. We'll get a breakdown of everything that has transpired in the past week and change with the Red Sox and the Yankees. you got to feel pretty good, though, Ken, that, yeah, they sucked against the Rays, but they're playing well against the team that is deemed to be the best team in Major League Baseball. And if I'm high and bloom, this should push me over the top because they're beating the crap out of the Yankees. I mean, extra inning games. You, you get what I'm saying, though. But this should push them to say, all right, let's make a big move. Well, I mean, uh, I feel good about last night's win, as I'm, I know you do. It was a great win, but they're four and four against the Yankees. They're two and eight against the Rays and three and seven against Toronto. So uh, let's not go crazy. But I do agree. Chris Sale back, Evaldi back, Garrett Whitlock. My God, was that a sight for sore eyes? How impressive was that? Just to see Schreiber and Whitlock one-two punch available to Cora. He must have been like, what was Cora thinking in the dugout? By the way, this 401 texture is probably right. If the Red Sox don't sign Devers and Bogarts, Cora will quit, and Bloom might like it because he doesn't like Cora. Could you see that scenario? I could totally see that. Well, I am starting that. to wonder, Ken, that if he doesn't do something at the trading deadline, and if Rafael Devers isn't signed long-term, what's Cora going to think? Cora's not in this to be sustainable and be a long-term winner. Cora's in this to win championships. Cora loves the postseason. How many times have we talked about how great Cora is in postseason baseball and how Cora likes to mess around with the pitching matchups and take starters out of the bullpen? That's where he thrives at his best. So if he feels like he's under-equipped entering the postseason, I do think you're going to have a major issue between Alex Cora and the guy running the team. And I don't think that Alex Cora just randomly brought up a story about J.D. and referenced the last dance on her afternoon show this week. I believe that was a message to Hein Bloom. Yep. Hey, get off your ass and believe in these guys. One thing about Cora and Bloom, though, Cora is going to have, as long as those two stay together, I think Cora knows he has the audience, right? The fans love him. So he can always blame anything on Bloom. Don't you get that sense? Like, Bloom? Yeah, he knows. Bloom is kind of, I agree with Reamer, he's kind of a bad guy for John Henry. He can only do so much. And then Cora is more well-liked and will always be, so he can always just have these little comments, last dance, whatever it is, he's got a fall guy. So it's not a bad, maybe maybe Cora sneaky likes Bloom in that position. I don't think so. He's easy to pick on. I don't think so. I don't it's think like he... Bradford treats you this way. You know, he's always trying to take shots at you, unjustified, unnecessary, but you get that feeling, you know? 
Yeah, Bradfoe, the part-time clubhouse insider. We never know when he's going to be around, but yeah. <laughs> no, but I, I don't think he does, Ken. I, I don't think he likes it because I think he liked working for Dombrowski because he knew exactly what he was going to get, right? Yeah, well, he, he loved that because Dombrowski let him do whatever he wanted, right? Yeah. Basically, Cora was the GM or half GM, which is great. He should be. Yeah, and uh, maybe Cora feels like, for whatever reason, this relationship, and I, I don't know this for a fact, but maybe the relationship he has with Dombrowski is totally different than the one that he has with Haim, where Dombrowski was taking more suggestions from Cora than maybe, say, that Haim Bloom is taking from Cora. Yeah. Can we play the Buster? Uh, is Jastrzemski ready, or do you want to play? I, I would like to replay that Buster cut, because we talked the about The Devers it. or the Bogarts? On Devers. Okay. On Devers. Because it's this is huge. And, and by the way, Bradford just posted a story about this and had a great picture of a uh, shocked Rafael Devers at WEI.com, at hearing this quote. But, Jackson, cue this up, because, I, I mean, you don't have to play the whole thing, but his answer is very telling. Based on what we've seen in the last uh, three years, I, I can't envision that at the moment, because it doesn't feel like that the Red Sox necessarily are prepared to step out. I, I think you're looking at a $300 million contract, and we have no indication that the Red Sox are going to be willing to, to go that far given how they handled Mookie Betts, given how they handled uh, you know Xander in this negotiation. And Bradford Barrett says it goes back to Lester. In his opinion, this is still the Lester situation. And, you know, it, it's like, um, <laughs> I don't want to say $300 million. It's It's now approaching $400 million. Forget about $300 million. That is gone. Yeah, I just, I don't understand this. So it just feels like, and Buster did make an interesting point about drawing everything post- Chris Sale, because after the Chris Sale contract, if you will, which immediately, and this wasn't us second-guessing it, I said it at the time when he signed it, it made no sense, right? Because Chris Sale was just coming off a 2018 season where clearly at the end we all know he got shut down, and everybody glorifies the moment against Manny Machado, the strikeout there, but the reality is Chris Sale was supposed to start that game, but he couldn't start because of his health issues, and in 19 he still had years left, he still had that year under contract, so it didn't really behoove the Red Sox to make that deal, but they overreacted to the Lester thing. So now going forward, it feels like they're very, very cautious about getting burned from a contractual standpoint. But I look at it, and I can understand that point with Bogarts, but I can't get there with Devers because he's still in. He's entering his physical prime. He's not even in his prime. Yeah, he's but what's the, Bogarts, what's the Bogarts contract? Let's say they, they would get a deal done. What would it be for? What would the terms be? Well, I would look at Bogarts probably wants at least something similar to the deal that Trevor Story got, where Trevor Story got $140 million. Now, you're not going to get that length, but I'm sure Bogarts wants something more than that in terms of the annual average value. There's no way he settles for less, right? I mean, we looked at the deal that they offered him, which was essentially just one year at the extension. That mm -hmm. wasn't going to work. So They, they want to pay him $20 million a year. Bogarts wants $30 million, right? $30 million plus? I think he'd settle for less than that. I mean, the guy seems like he's willing to play ball. I mean, the fact that we all looked at that offer and said, hey, that was a slap in the face, and then Bogarts, who said he wasn't going to talk about his contract during the season, which I never believed to begin with because if somebody says, hey, Xander, here's 350 mil, I'm pretty sure he'd be willing to talk about it. Not that that's going to happen, but you get my point in terms of if the player is wowed by a contract offer, he's going to look at it in the season out of the season, whatever it is. But remember Bogarts, first of all, Scott Boris didn't want him to sign the first contract. He made sure that Bogarts got the opt-outs in it. And now Bogarts, after that low blow offer, he came out and he said essentially he'd be willing to change his idea about 
talking during the season, which tells you that this is a player that wants to be here. So it's just about offering him something that is respectable and reasonable. And I get, I believe that if you did that, Bogarts would be back here. We have the bad bad news for you, Barrett. We have some breaking news, which is going to make Bloom even more afraid to make a trade at the deadline. Uh-oh. Jose Altuve has been scratched from the All-Star game. And his replacement is Santiago Espinal, acquired from the Red Sox in the Steve Pierce trade in June of 2018. So you traded away an All-Star. Oh, my God, stop. History has shown... Bloom is this is this this is the stuff that Bloom is terrified of. He does not want to lose the next Santiago Espinal. Oh, he he gives a rat's ass if he loses <laughs> Santiago Espinal. There it is. The guy has a he's 716 a, OPS and he's slugging 394. He's an all-star. No, he, he is you an know why all-star. Do you know why he's an all-star? He's an all-star because Toronto votes like crazy. They were going to get all their guys in and he's next on the voting. Oh. Trevor's story should actually be in there. History will show. This is the stuff Bradford bases Hall of Fame voting off. How many oh, All-Star scary. It is totally vote. scary. That is scary. By the way, speaking of scary, Bradford is out in L.A. covering the All-Star game for us. Mm-hmm. He's unable to rent a car, and he's like camped out at an enterprise somewhere in the suburbs of Los Angeles, waiting for them to open. He's had trouble with a card, or I don't know what's going on. Why does he get a car? Just Uber, man. You're in L.A. You want to pay for that gas? I mean, yeah, just that's Uber. Point. That's a good point. Why does he need a car? I mean, he has a deal. Why is he out there now? The game's not until Tuesday. He should be in New York. Yeah, what the hell is he doing? Um, so we have J.J. Should we, should we wait, Ken? No, no, let's bring him on. Let's get All him right. on now. Joining us now on the Harbor One Hotline from The Ringer, it is John Jastrzemski, my old buddy from Cuse. J.J., what's up, man? Fellas, good morning or good afternoon, whatever we're calling it these days. What's happening? What's going on? We're doing well, JJ. We're doing well. So, hey, man, this is now three in a row. The Sox have taken over the Yankees. Any concern there? No, I think the bigger concern is the Yankees have looked terrible for the better part of a week. I mean, they lost two out of three games to the Cincinnati Reds. They yucked up those two games at Fenway last weekend. I mean, yesterday was a disgrace. I mean, I have the bases loaded, nobody out. After Hawk is throwing the ball over the place, they don't score. Glaber grounds into the double play. Look, the Yankees played out of control, insane baseball for three months. This was due to happen. This was bound to happen. But, boys, I think they're in dire need of the all-star break. Now, J.J., before we get back into Red Sox-Yankee stuff, I just want to set the scene here. You did some shows for WEI a couple years ago. You did a great job. You were a rising star at WFAN. Francesa was saying you're going to be his replacement. You are like the Mookie Betts departure. How did Odyssey let you get away? You're at the ringer now. What the hell happened? Uh, listen, I love my time at Odyssey. It, was, it wasn't actually Odyssey at the time. So uh, whatever, whatever the company was called, it was fantastic. The folks there were great to me, but... You know, I got a uh, mafioso offer from Bill Simmons. He made me an offer I couldn't refuse. You know, that's basically what it boils down to. There are certain guys in the business, guys, that you don't say no to. Uh, and, and maybe it's like one of four. Bill would strike me as one of those guys you'd put on the list. Well, that was a, that was a poor I, I mean, was there a counter offer? Were we close? God, that is a miss. I don't know. Listen, you know, it, it, hey, it, it does show you, fellas. It does show you that everybody has a price. You know what I mean? Everybody's got a price. Speaking of that, is Judge going to be a goner? And, and who will the Yankees go after if, if not Judge? I can't see him leaving. You know, he's too valuable to the Yankees. Uh, the 99 shirts, the Judge's chambers out in the outfield. He's probably their most marketable player since Derek Jeter. 
I know right now it seems like the contractual negotiations are going to go in an ugly direction. And listen, anything can happen. Like, I'm not saying there's a, a 0% chance that, you know, Aaron Judge is wearing a different uniform next year, but I would without a doubt bet against it. Like, I, well, ask yourself this question, guys. When have the Yankees lost out on a player that they've really wanted to keep that was one of their own? I mean, you guys answer that question for me, then I, you know, I got a million dollars for you. Yeah, but when's the last time Cashman would come out and publicly give contract numbers? Wasn't that bizarre? That is unlike anything we've ever seen. Yeah, it was a little petty, but remember, they were petty to Derek Jeter. They were petty to Bernie Williams. I mean, Bernie Williams was on the doorsteps of signing a contract with the Boston Red Sox after the 98 season. It felt like George Steinbrenner was going to go and sign Albert Bell. So, like... There have been instances where the Yankees have kind of nickel and dime their own a little bit. Like, Jeter, when you guys get a chance to watch the documentary, uh, if you have any interest in doing so, I don't know. You guys might only want to watch the Red Sox episode, and the rest of it is like skip. Like, it's like for the New Yorkers with the man in the arena stuff. And I'm not a Giant fan. I love the man in the arena. I couldn't get enough of it. But, like, a lot of New York people I know, they're like, I can't watch this garbage. I can't watch this crap. Brady, Brady, Brady. And I'm like, you got to watch the Strahan Giant episode. So, like, you guys will be into the Red Sox, you know, and reliving 04. And then I got to see Dave Roberts and Millar and Schilling with the painted blood on his side. Oh, you know, like, I, I, I'm going to have to live through all that stuff. But, yeah, Peter even talks about the idea of how he was nickeled and dime. So, it, it, you know, it doesn't surprise me. We're chatting with John Jastrzemski from The Ringer, my old buddy from Syracuse. So, J.J., you mentioned the – Ken asked you about the Aaron Judge thing. So, I had Buster only on yesterday on our pregame show, and he said that he can't imagine that the Red Sox are actually going to offer Rafael Devers a contract worth north of $300 million. Are Yankees fans already, like, circling Rafael Devers to try to go after him? Oh, man. I mean, listen, I would just be giddy if Rafael Devers is not wearing a Red Sox uniform. Because that guy, I mean, he owns the Yankees. I don't care who's on the mound. Garrett Cole was open to suggestions, trying to figure out how to get him out. He, he, he hit everybody left and right. He's got a swing that's tailor-made for Yankee Stadium. But, guys, the Yankees are not going to go and give out two, like, 300-plus million-dollar contracts. That ain't going to happen. Like, judges keep. I'll just be thankful if I don't got to see Rafi Devers packing those massive lips to chew and just hitting bombs in the right field against the New York Yankees. I'll, I'll be good if Rafi Devers is doing that in San Francisco next year. Just saying. Now, J.J., you got to give us the insight on uh, our man Barrett here. You guys went to school together at Syracuse, right? He is, he is the metric man here. He is obsessed with numbers. He is a machine. He has not had a day off since June the 23rd, and he's working straight through August the 5th, which is probably an HR violation. But what was he like at Syracuse? Was he bizarre then? No, I didn't know Barrett was such a stat guy, full disclosure. This is where you learn something new about your good pals. And, you know, Barrett has embraced the analytics and the numbers and the way, I don't know, that Billy Bean has done it or the way the modern manager needs to do it. I always thought Barrett was a fun guy. That's why I'm surprised he is such a stat-conscious kind of guy. You know, like, Barrett's the kind of guy you want to be at the ball with, throw a few Miller lights down, talk some shop, break some bread. That kind of guy. Usually the stack guys aren't in that category. Usually the stack guys are they're mutants, they're computer geeks. It's not a computer geek. It's very weird. I gotta admit, it's very weird. Yeah, I'm a mutant, strange. JJ. Uh, well, you're a mutant, but you're like you're no, in the you're gym. No, you're not a mutant. Don't please. 
I was going to say, Barrett looks great. I mean, he's ready to run a marathon, for goodness uh, sake. He's, yep. uh, he's incredible. I can tell you this, Ken. Brian and I are in much better shape than we were in Syracuse when we were having way too many buds on a consistent basis. You know what I mean? Well, it's too cold there. You can't go outside. It is miserable. Yeah, you got to just stay well, inside and thing. drink. I ain't going on my runs. I'm not playing my terrible rounds of golf. Exactly. Exactly. So all you can do up in Syracuse is uh, hit, you know, 350 pitcher night at happy hour. <laughs> all right. That's my buddy John Gistrepsky from The Ringer. JJ, thanks so much, man. You going to the game today? I'm actually not. I'm with our good mutual friend, uh, Alex Plavin, and we have our ladies uh, at the Borgata in Atlantic City. So I'll just say I hope that the tables and I hope that the game treats me a little better than yesterday's did. Because, guys, I was one Anthony Rizzo hit away from hitting like a six-teamer. Didn't get that. Hop on the Yankees live. Don't get that. The table stunk. Everything (laughs) stunk last night. So hopefully uh, regression to the mean means we have a much better Saturday. All right, great stuff, JJ, man. Good luck on the tables, man. Have a good one. I'm going to need it. Thanks, you guys. Appreciate you having me. All right, that's John Jastrzemski from the it is, it is hard to envision you guys out at a bar in Syracuse. I mean, that is that is a, an odd couple. I, I just never expected it. This, uh, this whole thing blew me away that you guys were buddies. Anyway, good good recap of you at, uh, at college. Yeah, well, we, Life may of the done, party. we may have done some of that last weekend, you know? <laughs> <laughs> at the Red Sox game, man. That That's was, good. I got to say, Ken, last weekend, mm-hmm. oh, my God, the atmosphere at Fenway Saturday was incredible. Sunday was great, too. I had to leave, though. I had a situation with my car. But Saturday night, insane. That game with the Yankees fans there, I got to say, and Will doesn't agree with me on this, Bradfoe does, I think it was about 50% Yankees fans. Oh, it had to be. It it, had I mean, to be. and you had the FU Yankee, Yankees suck chants, and then you had the Yankees fans chanting back at the Red Sox. It was great. I mean, it was a great atmosphere there. Well, see, this is, again, back to the atmosphere sells itself. I mean, I know if the Red Sox stunk, it wouldn't be like that. But all the Red Sox have to do is be 500. This is what John Henry knows. That's why Buster Olney is right. They're going to let Devers go, which is amazing. To come to grips with that, because I didn't think it was going to happen until, like, I start to piece this together, and and I hear Buster say that last night. Mookie and Devers are going to be departing this city. Well, and Bogarts. Yeah, but Bogarts is understandable. I, I even yeah. think I, I think you can make a case for that, right? That's not like yeah, a... Yeah, you can, but when you just put it all three together, right? <laughs> yeah. When it's like, yeah. those are your big prospects years ago all coming up, and you lose all three of them. Right. All right, 617-779-7937, the number. Brian Barrett, Ken Laird with you up until 1 o'clock. So we will get back into the situation with the Red Sox in terms of Raphael Devers long-term, but maybe more importantly, Ken, I don't know if you heard this one. Buster only had a interesting comment about the Red Sox and what they do at the trading deadline, which I think is going to really piss off Red Sox fans. We can get to that next here on EI. The Greg Hill Show, weekdays 6 to 10. Now, here's what's trending on WEEI. Trending now is brought to you by McDonald's. Download the app, join my McDonald's rewards, and start earning points good for free. Food every time you order. Excludes delivery, download, and registration required. All right, well, the Red Sox picked up a win last night. Of course, in 11 innings, 5-4 over the New York Yankees. The winning run, Xander Bogart scored on a wild pitch. Very instinctive play by Bogarts, Ken. you got to acknowledge that. What a play by Bogarts. Meanwhile, Nate Evaldi back on the mound last night. He went 4-3. and a third. He gave up six hits. Three runs, including a home run to Giancarlo Stanton. He struck out four. 
The Sox had three home runs in the game, including the guy we were just chatting about, Rafael Devers, his 21st of the season. Big home run, too, from Christian Vasquez, who has been crushing the Yankees. The Sox will wrap up their four-game series. Or, excuse me, the Sox play the second of their three-game set against the Yankees. Tonight, Nick Pavetta gets the ball opposite Jamison Tyone. Joe Castiglione and Sean McDonough have the call. First pitch comes your way at 7.15 across the Shaw's and Star Market, WEI Red Sox Network. Shaw's and Star Market, perfecting the art of fresh. You can tune in to the Visit Massachusetts pregame show at 6.15. That's sponsored by the Massachusetts Office of Travel and Tourism. Start your Massachusetts summer adventure at visitma.com. Meanwhile, Cameron Smith, the lead at the British Open, he's at 13 under par. He's followed by Cameron Young and Rory McIlroy. Of course, Tiger Woods, unfortunately, did not make the cut. That's what's trending now on WEI and WEI.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Making your way in the world today takes everything. All right, welcome back in. Brian Barrett filling in for Curtis and Ken Laird is here. Ken, we do have Curtis now. Do we have Ken? Oh, hey, sorry. Hey, what's w- up? Ken? Went upstairs to my mom's kitchen for a cup of coffee. Meatloaf. Sorry, we have we we got Curtis. Yeah, Curtis on the line. That's tremendous. Oh, Ken, you're in Pennsylvania. That's <laughs> right. Hi, everybody. Hey, how are you? How you feeling? Oh uh, man, I I texted you this. I think I don't know a couple days ago, and I said to Ken and Brian that I apologize for all the mornings that I arrived into whether Guest Street or. Leo Birmingham and told Ken who had a daughter at the time how tired I was because there is it's just it's just a glaze you just like I don't know what time it is I don't know where I am I don't know if I've showered in a week it's just you just just bear down get through it but everybody's healthy that's the big thing right everybody's uh, young James yeah, is home thriving uh, he is already we had our uh, I think I mentioned with Greg that it's we got an extra. We got a nurse to come to our house because we departed one night before we could have, and it was like a godsend because we were having a hellish morning, and we each completely forgot that the nurse was coming today, and we were going to make a call to make an appointment, and then she like showed up like from God, and completely reassured us. And James is now nine pounds on the button. All right. So he is growing. He he just booted. Uh, uh, he's you know, maybe he's now eight, eight pounds, twelve ounces again. We have to recheck, but um, <laughs> he uh, he's good. He's growing. We had a one week uh, photo shoot yesterday with Jess as the photo shooter, uh, which went well. And um, today, Ken and Brian, the uh, the maiden voyage of the baby Bjorn around South And man, oh man, I got to tell you, I have the dad thing down. It was electric. Yeah, you're going to be big in Southie with, the, with all the uh, the moms at the park and everything. I mean, that is Curtis is going to be a force. <laughs> it's just, I, I don't. I, it's just one of those things that you you tried to explain it to me, Ken, and it's you just have to live it. It's the greatest thing that's ever happened to me. There isn't a close second. But those moments, like last night, he just wouldn't sleep, and you would literally give anything for peace and quiet. Like I will never view peace and quiet in the same way again 
Yeah, I mean, it's great, uh, but the first two weeks are just a blur, as uh, my recollection. I, I don't even know how you're joining us now. It was just total survival. First six months, really, until you really start to get a feel for things. But uh, God bless you. I mean, uh, I'm just I'm thrilled for you uh, and Jess. Uh, great news. Can't wait for Monday. I'm sure we have a ton of stories to tell uh, Monday morning. Yeah. Uh, can I ask a quick question, sports-related? Oh, what, um, what does James sure, think of John Henry, <laughs> by the way? Uh, James, James, James requested a name change for LeBron's last name because he was so <laughs> sick of a weather. <laughs> my, 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 isn't the definition of racism prejudging a large group of people based on stereotypes? Is that not the definition of a being a racist is someone that views a collection of people as the same because how they look or where they're from, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, sure. I mean, there are a lot of definitions of it. I just right, but that would be a that would be a definition of racism. So how is LeBron James not being racist or judgmental by doing exactly what he's mad at people from Boston doing by judging a wide swath of people? identically the same because of a few people that may have said racist things or in and around the Boston Garden. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the most dangerous part of it. Again, the lack of an example. I mean, he, in 2017, he said he didn't have any incidents. Now he's saying he got a beer dumped on him. So it, it all starts again. Well, Curtis, you and I, thing yeah. is, is it's like everybody asks Ken, like, why do you always give them a hard time? That is John Henry for expanding his portfolio of sports franchises and entities. Well, if he just owned the Red Sox, there's no way he would partner with LeBron James. He did this because of the winds in the air, because there was a, uh, a large uh, awakening in our country about racial injustice, and he recognized that the team had just shipped out David Price and Mookie Betts, and he needed to do something to save face with the elites. So he said, I'll par- partner with Maverick Carter and LeBron James, and this will get people off my back, and I'll put a big sign behind the green monster. And those are things people do when they own several businesses without understanding the pulse of where those businesses exist. And it's really it's, it's frustrating because I don't blame everybody there for that decision, but they need to answer for it. And unfortunately for the people that work for the Boston Red Sox, John Henry won't. So it'll be Sam Kennedy with Greg. Mm-hmm. It'll be, you know, Heim with Lou or Cora with Lou. It'll be other people within the organization will have to answer for something they had nothing to do with. Yeah, it really is unbelievable. And Curtis, you see his comments earlier in the week about the Brittany Griner situation. He took that back, even though he's the one that produces the show. No, I did not see he's, that. I have been, he, I think I was uh, knee deep in diapers. <laughs> oh, <laughs> well, he said that essentially that if he's Brittany Griner, he doesn't know if he would want to come back to the U.S. because she, they don't have her back. And then he, <laughs> then, oh, then he said his, his comments were taken out of context when they were legitimately on his own show. <laughs> I mean, and, and you know, I, I don't have anything. LeBron James has hated the same reason I hated Peyton Manning. Like, I, I, I grew up here. I hate teams and players that come in and beat our teams. It was sort of simple. I... And, and you could literally – I would have loved a follow-up about, you know, how Boston and Philly and New York are different. But we saw it this year, Ken. We talked about it on the show. Mm-hmm. Remember at Yankee Stadium early, early in the year, there was an incident with uh, an outfielder who was, I think uh, – uh, I don't know who it was. But there was an outfielder who had an incident with Yankees fans. They were throwing stuff at him. 
And that thing disappeared like nothing ever happened. That was Cleveland, because right? Because Michael K said it was baseball yeah. fans, not Yankee fans, and the nation moved on. Whereas if that's Boston, it's six. It just has never made sense to me. They did it to Verdugo, too. Right. The exact same thing happened two years in a row. And it wasn't even dis- it wasn't that it was like uh, excused. It wasn't even discussed. Yeah. Well, and this and again, back to the frustration, this perpetuates the, you know, the stereotype even further and rekindles the conversation that goes back to Alex Jones and, you know, obviously well beyond and before that. So here we are again. Yeah, Andrew Jones. Alex Jones probably doesn't agree with 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 uh, what LeBron said. But yeah, Andrew Jones <laughs> and the. Or Adam Jones. We're both wrong. Adam Jones. Anyway, um, but yeah, the, the, the situation is going to come to the head and it's going to impact people who had nothing to do with any of this relationship. And LeBron will never be, you know, I don't think he's, I don't know what the term is, but it, it, there will never, this will just continue on in perpetuity until someone just stops bringing it up. But it's an easy cliche. As I mentioned, it's in Philly, they talk about throwing snowballs at Santa Claus. That was 40 years ago. Here they talk about Bill Russell and busing. It's stupid, but it's I don't know how to I don't know how you break that cliche because well, Boston it has no resemblance. Well, to it gets the city lumped that in, Bill Russell once. It gets lumped in with like the Celtics fans saying F Draymond. Like that was brought up in some of the stories mm-hmm. about people calling Celtics fans classless. Whereas it's in a in a, in a bizarre way LeBron was saying this as Boston is the one place that's tough to play because you're rattled which we saw in the series with Golden State Barrett. That's, they, they got Draymond off his game yeah. in that game because of the way, but it was not racist in any way that we know of. The Heat made, I don't know if he said there were examples of it. But no, so, he did. Right. Well, he just him one... complaining about it. Right, but what's the one thing, Ken and Brian, that you can say as an athlete, minus attacking someone in the stands, which obviously I don't think any of them would ever do, but you're really bothered, like Kyrie did the bird, right? He was pissed off because they got him through his skin. Well, what Kyrie did when he didn't want to face accountability for his departure from Boston was say that people here are racist, and there is nothing you can say or do to protect yourself. It's, you know, like how long have you been beating your spouse, right? You know, you say that because you feel hurt by what the fans have done to you. They got under your skin, so you're doing the one thing that you can do to get re- revenge without breaking a law. And so that's why it's there for players and others to use. And what I would love is for people in our country that are, you know, that that discuss race on a daily basis to talk about how this lightens and demeans true racism. Yeah, it's a good point. Another thing, too, this is not really like an apples to apples comparison, but since you brought up the New York thing, like, can you imagine if Josh Donaldson was playing for the Red Sox right now? The, oh Red, the Red Sox would be getting absolutely crushed for that guy. Same and look, that's an individual person. You know, yeah. Aaron Judge even ripped him, right? Didn't yeah, Judge he did. Say yeah. he was wrong? Yeah. yeah. It's just, you know, and, and we all, there's no way to talk about it where you're not being perceived as either ignoring it, being Ooh. tone deaf. You know, it's, he, LeBron James is many things. He's not dumb. And he knew exactly what he was doing. There is a deep anger towards Boston fans because it's the one venue I feel in professional sports where fans can really still have an impact. You know, that the garden is intense. You're close. The fans are engaged in a way that they, I mean, remember golden state game one, it felt like a preseason game. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just, it works. The fans are actually getting ridiculed because they're doing their job. At the game. <laughs> Yeah. 
Although the Celtics' home record was terrible in the playoffs, right? True. Which is kind of a really bizarre yeah. thing. Although that one game, they definitely made I know. It. We wanted them to start booing them at home. But anyway, <laughs> that shows what we knew. All right, Curtis. Well, get back to baby uh, uh, duty. And uh, I know All Monday right. you're back at it. Four weeks of paternity. I'm sure that'll be brought up once or twice. So nice job. You, you, uh, yeah. Well, you know what? I, I wish I could take three more months, but I will be back. <laughs> and uh, I will never say a bad word to keep again. Congratulations, my friend. All right. See you, Ken. Take care. All right, Curtis right. and young baby James, uh, doing well back in the Southie Barrett. What was that Keith comment? What do you mean by that? Oh, Keith took about uh, three months of paternity leave. It, it stretched it out <laughs> oh, over really? a year. Oh, yeah. yeah. So <laughs> Curtis, Curtis like took preemptive time. He took two weeks before the baby was born. So that's a new oh, approach. Just to be ready. Yeah. Yeah. He was so he was ready to go. By the way, do you want to get to this breaking uh, Soto news? Oh yeah. So, so actually, thanks to Tyler Devitt who was on earlier with us, who just sent this to us. This is unbelievable. And it kind of goes back to the Devers thing. This is Ken Rosenthal breaking. Juan Soto rejects a $440 million offer. Nationals will now entertain trading him. $440 million. I don't know how you can pass on something like that, Ken. But it was over 15 years, so it's actually less than 30 mil a season. So Soto's probably right. He can probably get, he can probably get more on a, whatever it is, a 10-year deal and then get another contract in 10 years when he's 33. Yeah, and I think part of this has to be he looks at the outlook of the Nationals, right? I mean, think about all the guys that have just recently left there and traded away. Scherzer, Trey Turner, now Schwarber, of course, isn't with the team. He's on his second team since then. They're not a winning organization right now. So that's probably part of the calculus as well. But, yeah, you're right when you do it in terms of the annual average value. But, I mean, this is a guy, Ken, we talk about not gutting the farm system. I would gut the crap out of the farm system for this guy. I'll tell you that. Juan Soto is one of the best players in the sport. I mean, Would that, you rather have Devers? Yeah, I would still rather have Devers because he's here. He hits for, well, I mean, that that's a tough conversation. But I don't think they would do it, like, right? I mean, you think they? You think Heim would actually make a trade for him? Because that's going to cost oh. you a ton as it pertains to prospects. This guy is already one of the best players in the sport. And we talk about Devers in terms of his pre-prime. Juan Soto is not even close to his pre-prime. Oh, would would Bloom trade for Soto? Of course not. They're not going to touch anybody with this kind of contract coming up. You mean for a rental? No, I mean Soto. If you're signing him, you're you're if oh. you're trading for him, you're trading for him with the indication that you're going to get a deal done, right? I mean, no. Of course team, not. Buster no, told you last night they're not signing anybody to no, a three hundred no, plus million dollar deal. I'm talking about with Soto. If you're a team and you trade for Juan Soto, there's no way you make that trade without the indication that he's going to agree to the contract. You oh offer. yes, because you yes, just you yes. cannot gut your farm system that way. By Although the, way, the it, Dodgers did, the Dodgers. Well, you, you argue they didn't gut their farm system, but they traded for Mookie without a deal in place, right? They gave up something pretty good for him. Yeah, but don't you have a sneaky suspicion that they were probably going to get something done? I guess. It's kind of weird. And look, I guess the pandemic played into this in some sense, right? Because you didn't know. I I don't know. I guess Mookie was worried about what was going to happen post-pandemic. So maybe that factors in. But it's kind of crazy that, like, right when he gets there, he signs with the Dodgers. By the way, uh, Bradfoe is texting. He wants to call in. His quote is, people are so stupid with this Devers stuff. So do you want to let Rob call in for five minutes before we wrap up next? I mean, he hijacked your show last week with Robles. I mean, does he really need to hijack another show? That's a fair point. Okay, more up, bear on the, on the <laughs> no, way here. On. We can get to Brad, but I'm kidding. I'm messing with him. I, we do have to address his car situation. That's a joke. Yeah, it is a joke. All right, we'll, we'll, talk, we'll get to the bottom of the car situation and let Rob talk about Devers for 30 seconds. On the way next. Welcome back in. Brian Barrett, Ken Laird with you. Take it up until 1 o'clock. Joining us now on the Harbor One Hotline, 
still searching for a car. Hopefully there's a media game in L.A. as he tries to recover after his 0-for-4 performance with four strikeouts in the Red Sox-Yankees <laughs> media game. It is Rob Bradford. Brad Foe! Well, considering you you are the straw that stirs a drink when it becomes to up oh, Brad Bradfoe, bingo. Uh, we just we Bar- Bar- Barrett and I just shared four Bradfoe cliches on a text thread, uh, and I win. Okay. I had straw that stirs the drink and boots on the ground. He had your brand has okay, never been hotter yeah. and put it on the bumper stickers. Laird Man one, Barrett zero. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I was ready to rattle off the other three in the next in the next minute. So you're the big loser for interrupting me. So how dare you? Um, <laughs> it, was a, it was a good moment yeah. for me. Good. Uh, okay. Well, every little bit counts. Uh, but I think that, you know, Brian, excellent job of getting the old interview. Excellent job. I'm sure we're going to talk about that. But you're over two, man. Like, you, you were wrong about it's absolutely fake news about my performance in the media game. Which everybody knows now. Did you're, the manager ask you about it? <laughs> he, he, he did because of your misinformation. <laughs> so yes, I mean it, it was every everyone was talking about. That's how dangerous. That's how much power you have, Brian. Is that when you give misinformation, that that people actually take it as gospel, and it's being brought up in press conferences. I stand by no, my reporting. No, know how much responsibility you have. And the second part is, I do have a car. Not only do I have a car, I have a pickup truck. I'm Whoa. the only person in Los Angeles drives around in a pickup truck, <laughs> which I am going to fill with baseballs and boring T-shirts right after this interview is done. Well, why do you have a car? That's what yeah, we're trying to discuss. Why, why aren't you just staying near, the, uh, near Dodger Stadium and Ubering where you need to go? Do we really, do we really want to do this, Ken? Do we really want to do this? Like... Because I'm staying with my in my son's apartment. <laughs> you oh. Know? Oh. <laughs> I mean, do we really want to do this? Well, where does he I live? Mean, he lives in Culver City. It's not that far away. But you need. It's, I when I did not have the aforementioned car yesterday, I was taking a lift everywhere. And like, oh my goodness, I am so sick of lifts. I am so sick of talking to people. I am so sick of small talk. And then, and then. I go to uh, Sonny McLean's to watch the end of the Yankees Red Sox game. You know, just re- ready to sit in the corner. You know, the, the Boston Bar. It's a cool place and everything. Get catch the last three innings. I walk in. Who's there? Propped up at the bar, Jared Carabas. So there you go. So I mean, I, I just want to get away from the media types just for a little bit. But it was good talking to Jared for the that's, final few innings. Anyway. That's just reckless name dropping. But I am. Um... Can we um can we get your uh, can we get your take on Devers? What so what is why are you upset at the Devers reaction? Buster only told Barrett last night he's not signing here. Uh yeah, so but he also dropped in in that quote which you posted the whole thing about well, you know, this goes back to ownership approach, the dividing line that was the Chris Sale contract and I don't disagree with him. So my problem is is that when I tweet out, so I do the post at behest of you your, you and Brian, and, and I thank you for that. It was a good conversation. I probably could have written all day on it. But, you know, the, the whole thing about the sales deal comes up and how ownership's approach has changed since then. Well, ownership has changed. Like, you have to go back to the John Lester contract. John Lester continues to be the sort of dividing line when it comes to ownership losing their mind when it comes to finding an approach to this stuff. Because we know that they botched John Lester. John Henry admitted that five years later. Mm-hmm. And that day on the bench, 
when he said that, Chris Sale told me that once John Henry said that, I knew that they were signing me to extension. I actually sought out John Lester in Chicago to thank him for it. So we know that this was a, a big thing when it came to re-signing Chris Sale, taking this approach. Then when they signed Chris Sale, which obviously was signed off on by ownership, then you basically he, you, that doesn't work out. And Dave Dombrowski catches the heat for it, and they say, hey, well, we can't sign these deals. Look at what Dave Dombrowski did. Oh, my goodness. We have yep. to go in a different route. We cannot do this. So that's what I'm talking about. People don't. People are responding, John Lester, what are you talking about? It's not even close to the same player as Rafi Devers. But I just gave you the timeline. This isn't about the player. This is about the ownership approach, which is bizarre if you track it back all the way back to 2014. Yeah, I'm with you, Rob, because I felt like, and I've always, we've had this conversation before, I thought that Dave Dombrowski got unfairly ridiculed for some of those contracts because obviously ownership wanted Chris Sale here. But so the Bogart situation, Rob, you heard obviously Buster Only's comments about that. Do you think it's very unlikely that Bogarts is back after this season? Yeah, I don't think, I think it's a less than a 50% chance because it's, I don't know if they, I don't want him back. They want him back. But the, the price tag that they want him back on, is it, I don't think is realistic compared to the other shortstop. And we all know, two things we know, that Xander Bogarts wants to come back, and we also want to be considered a, an elite shortstop, which he should be considered at. And what that means, it means more than one year probably at $30 million, which is what they were talking about. So, you know, I don't think, I think they're perfectly happy with not going that route with Xander Bogarts, and, and that's a shame. I mean, it's just, the day, to go back to the ownership thing, the days of just saying, hey, listen, we like the guy, we're going to we're gonna outbid everybody else, we're going to pay the guy, those days are over. It is so bizarre. And the other thing that continues to be bizarre is that they, they don't prioritize their own guys. I mean, Dave Ortiz said this the other day. Like, what is happening? You know these guys can play in Boston. We still don't know if Trevor Story can play in Boston, right? So it's, uh, it's, a, it's a curious approach. So, but back to Devers. You think he's gone as well? Is, does does Buster have some intel here? Well, I don't know if you saw the Juan Soto news that just came out today. Yep. That he that he what he he turned down four hundred forty million dollars. So, it, it, so it's you're, so when you have that, when you have someone like that turning down four hundred forty million, and I'm not saying Devers is asking for that, but Devers wants to be considered an elite, one of the best players in the game. And so when, when you have that, that does not help the Red Sox. That only drives, I think, Rafael Devers to say, hey, you know what? You know that $280 million maybe it was offered? Well, you know, make that 350 because I want to be considered along the lines of we've – and my guy, Juan Soto, just turned down 440 So yeah. I just don't – yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, Robin, this is the thing that pisses me off about this whole situation – this is only getting worse for the Red Sox in terms of what the value is going to be. You see a guy like Juan Soto passing on this type of money. Why haven't the Red Sox made a legitimate offer to Rafael Devers? Like, I don't understand why they haven't done this yet. It doesn't make sense to me. Well, the the, the quote, you know, that, that you have from Heim Bloom on the Greg Hill show, we, we weren't aligning. Well, yeah, no kidding. You didn't align. And by all accounts, it was very, very far from aligning. So, and you've been harping on this and saying this, Brian, rightfully so. You know, when, how does this happen 
where you don't try to lock this guy up, like you did with Mookie, by the way, multiple, multiple times. How, does, how do you get here? And I laid out the timeline for you. You know, after, in 2019, after Dombrowski was let go, somebody told me, said, hey, listen, this is going to be a priority for us. Well, that never happened because Heim Bloom got hired and there was no offer made. So this is a Heim Bloom thing. Mm-hmm. I think Heim Bloom is taking this approach. And I don't, you know, it's gotten so far down this road. You know, I, it, it's going to be tough, man. It's going to be tough. They're going to have to break off from, I think, what they think their philosophy is. Now, Rob, how do you how do you feel about McFarland Energy? Before we let you go, hold on. Let me let me gauge the temperature. McFarland, McFarland. <laughs> McFarland. How do you, how do you? I mean, did you guys have a good show or what? What happened? Uh, yeah, yeah, I think it was a pretty good show. I was really good today. I'd say Barrett was pretty good. I got to admit. Well, um, well, you know why? Because his brand's never been hotter. His brand's, <laughs> put it on the bumper sticker. I agree. <laughs> Great job, Rob. Enjoy L.A. Enjoy the truck. Is it a and, stick, Rob, the, uh, the pickup? <laughs> stick. No. Oh. You, don't, you don't get out much, do you, Brian? Well, I was figuring, like, is that the only way you got the car? Because it took a while to get one. You had to say I can drive stick, and they had one. Yeah, I, yeah. you don't want to know the place I got the car from, exactly. Send they, the selfie. No credit cards needed. We need some social media proof. Selfie? A selfie and some T-shirts. That's all it took. <laughs> all right, Rob. Be good. All right. Good ish, Bradford. There is Rob Bradford, presented by McFarland Energy on the West Coast, covering the All Star Game, which Rafi Devers will be a part of. We think, if healthy. Yeah, I don't know if he'll play or not. Ken. I mean, yeah. if if I was the Red Sox, well, I'm, I mean, I wouldn't tell him anything at this point. But Cora may say, "Hey, uh, maybe take this one off, Rafi." Curtis will be back Monday. Thanks to uh, Curtis for joining us here on the show. A full show with the Greg Hill Show. I think it'll be an interesting week, Barrett, how uh, Red Sox uh, address this LeBron stuff, if at all. I think you and I both agree it's uh, doubtful they'll do anything. You're back on tonight at 6.15. Amazing stamina. Have a good workout at yep. the Mutt Gym. Yeah, he go, he hooked me up, man. He told That's me awesome. I'm just going to tell him my name. He hooked me up. I get a nice lift in, get a pump in, get a little cardio in, and I'll be ready to go. Great job today. It was fun. Thanks to Jackson Burns for producing. Jackson, you have a quick open championship update before we get out of here? Thank you, sir. Yes, I do. Uh, the, the leaderboard is going up and down now. Hovland, Victor Hovland is now at 14 under after going uh, 4 under through his first nine holes. And uh, McElroy is 13 under in second place. Ooh. So, and then we got three guys at 11. Can't leave Doug, uh, Dustin Johnson and Cameron Young. There we go. Moving day. Good so hurry. Yeah, All right. it's good stuff. Kyrie and Andy Harder next, Barrett, I believe. Yep, they're here. I see them. They're ready to go. All right. Have a, have a great Saturday. Talk to you next week on Kenny Curtis. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.